Today and yesterday have been interesting. Um, it's been up and down, mostly... I don't know what it's mostly been. How can I say this? This this will be me coming off a little bit as a, as a child ranting, um, like I want my toy. And my toy is... Um, I just want to be treated nicely and I want to be respected. And my wife has just been sort of mean. And I think that over the years, I've done a really good and bad job of isolating occurrences of just things that happen with us. I I latch onto things that are not one-off occurrences and I make them consistent things like my wife's poor spending in the grand scheme of things it's maybe a dozen frivolous purchases a week it feels like it's every second of every day because I know that she's always had money troubles and we have never been able to save a dime together after decades of marriage we haven't been able to save one dime together and her reluctance to do so um because she's just like you know i just i budget to spend all of my disposable income she doesn't budget to save any of it she just budgets to spend it she um she told me the other week that she allocates her money to her credit card debt which is substantial then her other bills that are sort of static and then the rest of the money that she has left over she's just like well you know i just don't have that much money to spend so she's just kind of one of those people um very immediate very in the moment very now not really down the road not even you know three months six months let alone five years so it makes the frivolous purchases that she makes even if they are infrequent knowing that that's her formula for approaching life it makes every purchase that much more sensitive important prevalent and when I'm feeling that deep sting of each purchase because it's tethered to every other sting like in her defense for my wife She just bought a pair of socks in her defense. In her defense, she just bought some more mugs, just a, you know, I love visiting San Diego mug because she wants to visit or something like that. Her eighth Harry Potter mug because she didn't have the Gryffindor house mug and that's the house she belongs to. So it's it's just those things and to her, it's just it's just a mug. And I look at it like it's the sixth one you've bought this year and it's March. And we don't have any place to put it. Our cabinets are kind of overflowing. So I'm looking at the mug as, oh, that's 12 less dollars, six less dollars you were able to put towards your debt. That's six less dollars we were able to save. That's six more dollars that I have to save because you weren't able to save it for that vacation you said you wanted to go on. And this is the 
40th time that I've brought this up to you and you've infracted. So in her mind, it's just a mug. In my mind, it's a habit. So for a long time, I was trying to judge if am I a am I a normal person in a crazy world or am I a crazy person in a normal world? And sometimes when you just have the one on one thing, husband, wife, both people have their own world and their own perspective and there's no outside parties. You know, there, there's no mediator. There's no outside parties. It's just your word against hers, her word against yours. So both people are coming at it from a defense attorney prosecution perspective. Here's my case. Here's my case. Presentation, debate, argument. That's why things go so sideways. And usually it's not until you find that thing that tips the scales in one favor, in, in one person's favor or the other. And I'm always making the case of you always do this. Do we need more mugs? And I'm tethering the mug she just purchased to all of the other purchases that she made and the debt that she's in. And I'm painting this big, big picture with this big, broad brush, trying to show her habit repetition and improving my concept. And she's just looking at that empty white canvas and she's putting a dot right in the middle. This is just one mug that I purchased this one time for this one thing. Why are you attaching it to other things? To be fair to her, she's right. But we're, we're adults and we know that there's causation and effect. We know that this is a thing. We can comprehend what cause and effect is and, and that's what we do. So in her response, in her responses, typically she will say, I, are you really questioning my purchases again? And she's very easily able to go into causation and effect. You always question what I buy. You clearly don't trust my judgment because the only thing she's looking at is I have something to say about something she did. And I always have something to say about something she did. So it's this weird chicken or the egg situation. And that is what has been the story of my marriage. My, in my honest opinion, what came first, the chicken or the egg, just for the sake of this argument, we will say the egg came first. I'm sorry take that back because that's not really what I think. The chicken came first. I personally believe because the chicken has to lay the egg it has to get pregnant by the hen. So it's got to lay the egg. Then it's got to sit on it and all that other stuff. And, you know, then the, then the egg hatches. So the chicken comes first in my example, whether you think it's the egg or not, doesn't matter. The chicken comes first in this example. So I say, oh, your, your, your lack of impulse control and your lack of evaluating your current situation, like I don't have a lot of money, I have a lot of credit card debt, I need, I need and want to pay it all down, so I shouldn't buy this thing. Well, done. That, that's the chicken. But in her mind, it's the egg. In her mind, no. 
you bringing this up frustrates me. I feel that I need something to comfort me. I like this mug. This mug has been good to me. It makes me feel good. And I did a little bit of retail therapy, so I bought it. And we're just always going back and forth with what came first, the chicken or the egg. Do you need to address your impulse control and how I've had to save all of this money all these years and how I felt like I'm out in the cold and I don't really have a support system? I can't really gauge whether you're going to be responsible with your money or not responsible, which makes me become uber responsible and super tight and super rigid. Or will you just say, you know, I know I don't have the best impulse control. I'm sorry that I've put a lot of this pressure on you. You're right. I could have done better over the years and let's move forward together. That would be a really good thing to have happen the two, with the two of us. But my wife isn't that way and she's not nice about it. That's why I want a divorce because my wife just isn't nice to me. I don't say what the, how could you, I have had my moments where I have said some things, choice words, curse words, things have not gone well. I have had my moments in frustration and I'm not excusing it or anything. I'm just telling you in my diary, I've had some really shitty moments. That's not how they start. That's not how I initially approach things at all. It's, hey, like, what's going on? I thought you said you were paying off your debt, but you just keep ordering things. What's going on? And then I met with defense. And like I said, she's just not nice. And she's not respectful. She doesn't respect that I did these things over all these years. She's just not. I've, I've come to that conclusion on my wife's integrity and in that she just lacks it and how she handled the affair that she had. She just lacks so much integrity and she lacks consideration for other people. She just doesn't consider them. And I get that. Now, I get why I felt so hurt, so depleted, why I've been pushing against my wife over all these years. And, and I just kind of wonder, I gotta be honest, it's, it's, it, I'm not thinking about what my life will be like when I am with another woman. I'm not thinking that because I'm so exhausted by women in general. Oh my gosh, my mother, my sister, other aunts in my family. It's just right now, just women are really exhausting. And I'm saying that not from a chauvinistic standpoint. I'm saying that the way a woman communicates is very different from the way a man communicates. And the way a man communicates, a man and woman communicate when they're in a relationship is very different from the way a man and woman communicate when they're not in a relationship. Even if there's sexual tension and like, you know, someone, you know, there, there's some attraction. I'm not going to say there's like super sexual attraction, but there's just something there. Um, potentially more than exclusive platonic stuff like a, a, a 60 year old woman and a, and a 22 year old guy. Like he could, he could talk with Mildred forever. And it's, it's, it's a fine conversation. Mildred might think he's a handsome boy, but she, she looks at him as a boy. He, she, she's as young as her grandson. And he looks at her as kind of like, you know, the older woman in the office, like kind of like the grandma. 
or his grandma or something like that. There's no real opportunity for anything to happen with the two of them. And they just, they just aren't really looking at it like that. Now, when you have um, a man and a woman that are not in a relationship, the man sort of freely speaks and he will say things like, um, oh my gosh, hey, hey ladies, how's it going today? Man, thanks for bringing that in. Oh gosh, you guys brought that. Oh, I can't, I'm not gonna have that conversation. I'm married. <laughs> I know how that goes. And a man could just make a make some comments like that. And a woman will just hear those comments. Oh gosh, she may roll her eyes or something like that. Or um, she may even rib, hit back. You know, I got a husband. I know how that goes. You don't listen. <laughs> and everyone has this good natured laugh or something. But then when you've got that dynamic with your wife, somebody in a long-term relationship with, or you're romantically involved with, the rules change a little bit. And you want, you kind of need, and in a weird way, you require that person to be nice to you. And it's weird because you want the person to be nice to you, and they are, but at the same time, when we get levels of comfort, you know, you're more comfortable at home than you are at your doctor's office. Kind of come into the doctor's office, you know, you sit down, you may put your bag on the chair next to you, but you're sort of gauging the room and you'll remove your bag quickly from the chair that's next to you if you feel you need to. Cause you're looking at people coming in and out. How many seats are there? Does someone need to sit next to me? I'll just grab my, my bag. Or you might even put your bag on the floor between your feet. You may put it on your lap, but you may try to make your physical presence as small as possible, your footprint. You try to shrink it. So just in case someone comes in, you know, they've got a, they've got a place because you've submitted to the fact that this is a shared area. This is a waiting room that we all share. And it's weird when you come in and someone isn't adhering to those respectful boundaries of the waiting room, shrinking their profile, cinching their arms in. If you're going to sit in the chair next to them, they almost don't put their hand on their arm on the armrest because this, there's only one armrest between the two chairs. And it's we do kind of have to negotiate this. So maybe we both just keep our arms off or you were here well before me and your arms are there. And even if your arms there, it's kind of hanging over to the person's seat. So you just kind of stay away from it. It's just this weird dance that we do in the waiting room. And you definitely, definitely keep your shoes on. But when you're at home, you may put your foot up on the coffee table, kick your shoes off. Hell, some of you may even keep your shoes on and put your shoes up on the coffee table. There's a lot of different rules that you have in your home where you are more comfortable, which means you might be more comfortable in how you talk or treat someone. You may sit on your significant other on the couch, or you may just toss their thing to their blanket or throw or something onto the other side of the couch. You just kind of do things. So in a weird way, when we get comfortable, we do a couple of things. We become vulnerable around the person that we're with which is a good thing. And we also become comfortable, which means we could become a little flagrant, a little disrespectful, a little more outspoken. We don't have that same attitude like when we're at the doctor's office in that waiting room. 
And that's where my wife is right now. She's just, she just doesn't have that decorum anymore. She just keeps her shoes on and puts them on the coffee table. That's me. She just kind of, she speaks with a little more harshness in her voice. There's a little more sharpness in her tone and her tongue. She corrects me often. I mean, often. And it's, it's not, it's not fun. And it's things where I don't need to be corrected. It's like, if I said something like, um, you know, earth, fire, and wind, let's just say, like, oh man, I love that group, earth, fire, and wind. Everyone knows that the group is earth, wind, and fire. I typically might speak quickly, let's say, and I'll say earth, fire, and wind, earth, wind, fire. I'm not dyslexic, even though that's a spelling thing, really, or, or a letter out of order thing. But uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's just an interesting thing with my wife how she speaks to me now <laughs> or if when if I, and it's like a, it's like a very, she's speaking down to me. Like you're always getting things right. I'm, I'm, you're, you're always getting things wrong and I'm going to point it out for you. I'm like, yeah, you know I mean? There, there's some truth to that. I do get things wrong from, from time to time. And, uh, I, I do, but, um, she's my wife. And I don't want her to make me feel bad about it. And I do get things wrong often. I'll be honest. I get things wrong a lot. How I say things. I, I um, th- There's so much that I think about on a day-to-day basis that when I, when I speak about things that don't really matter much, like earlier I said my wife's house in Harry Potter is the Gryffindor house. Let's say I'm wrong on that. I don't think I am. I think that's the red house, the reddish kind of font, whatever, but she's Gryffindor. But if I said uh, Hufflepuff, because I think that's another house. If I said Hufflepuff, she would quickly say, it's not Hufflepuff. I'm Gryffindor. She knows one. I don't like Harry Potter. I don't care about Harry Potter. I know I, I know about Harry Potter because Harry Potter has been and is one of the biggest things ever, like Michael Jackson's thriller. Harry Potter is freaking big. So I know about it. And I've seen the movies. Um, not all of them, I don't think. But I have a family. I have young. Yeah, I, I had younger kids and they watched it. So I watched it with them, you know, trying to be a good dad, stuff like that. And I'm like, wow, your team. Are, whoa, they're playing snitch. Is that what they're playing? Quidditch. They're playing Quidditch. And the thing that they use is a snitch. See, I, I know some things, but th- that was a great example of how I mess things up. I just said, hey, they're playing snitch. I said that even though the game is called Quidditch, that broomstick game that they play. I think it's a broomstick, whatever. They're riding on broomstick. See that, that, that again. But I prefaced all this with saying I could give two shits about Harry Potter. I don't give a fuck about it, but in my brain, it's there somewhere. And it's just like, I don't want to. And it's not that big a deal if I know that the game is called Snitch or Quidditch. But the way that my wife would correct me, she. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) The game's called Quidditch. (laughs) A snitch is what they play with. Come on. And it's like. So I'm, I'm immediately, not immediately, because the, the corrections happen so often, now I'm immediately offended. I'm immediately on defense mode, admittedly, and I say something like, 
look, I don't really care about Harry Potter. And I'll say something flagrant. It'll be a childish reaction of mine. And I'm not proud of it. Well, I don't care about Harry Potter. They could play snitch. I mean, I wish I wish the damn book wasn't written because it's stupid anyway. <laughs> and I'll say something like that. After I tried to get out of it because I'm just like, look, why are you attack that? Because it's not about Harry Potter. I don't care about Harry Potter. I I'm glad that the book was written. I'm I'm glad J.K. Rowling is so ter- uh, talented. I'm I'm glad that Daniel Radcliffe has such a great career and uh, all, all the rest of the actors. I I really do respect Harry Potter, but I don't care about it. And the fact that I get details confused should be the last thing on the list that my wife brings up. It could be a funny like. <laughs> That was a man. That was a good try. The game's actually called Quidditch, and they play with the snitch. You were close. It's crazy how you can recall all this stuff, knowing how much you hate Harry Potter. That statement would be such a warm, respectful, feel um, um, statement to make to me when I don't know something or I get it wrong, and you're fully taking into account that I could care less about the damn novel or the story or the movie. I don't. I don't, I don't care. So, um, and, and over the years I've, I've purchased, um, many, a few of the books for my wife and stuff like that. I just, you know, I really love her and I really did love her more, but just over the years, she just got comfortable and our relationship, it doesn't have to be quite as formal as how we would act in the waiting room, but at the doctor's office, but she now in the waiting room at the doctor's office, we need to kind of go back to the decorum that we had when we were treating the relationship, maybe a little more like the waiting room, kind of walking on eggshells because I'm doing that right now, admittedly, because I don't really want my marriage to end, but I know that I have to get a divorce and I really want one. I don't like my wife. I don't like how she makes me feel. I don't like how she treats me. Us men are pretty sensitive creatures. We're, we're pretty sensitive and we hurt just like women, but we hurt differently. I think we hurt on a more genuine level because of something that was done. Whereas done to us, against us, or not done for us, that's why the submissive act of sex is so important to a man because it's, it's literally him being given something he's being allowed to enter you for his pleasure it is an act that you are doing for him it's it's how he's feeling he's made to feel validated in a way i've done the things that have made her feel good hurt i i've i've stoked her emotional flame and her fire the right way that now we are physically engaging and that is the pot of gold at the end of the relationship rainbow. Whereas a woman feels, feels. And the comment about the shopping choices is something that might make her feel less than, even though it was something that was discussed And even though she knew exactly how he would feel about it, even though she promised that she would save 20 bucks this week and she spent 24 on something that the family didn't need. And the fact that the husband brought it up 
was hard for her, rough for her. It's a, it's a weird situation. I, I remember talking to my sister-in-law and she said to me, um, you know, even though we say we want to know about our weight, don't ever tell us about it. We told you on Monday that we were going to start our diet that week and we were going to adhere to it and we weren't going to eat any carbs. And Tuesday, when you came home, I was eating my second donut. She said to me, when you say, oh, hey, oh, you're eating the donuts. Do you remember what you said yesterday? You said you weren't going to, you said you were starting your diet today. So don't be a dumb man and try to remind me of what it is I said. My sister-in-law said, I know what the fuck I said. I know that I'm breaking my diet. I don't need you reminding me about it. And I said, wow, that makes total sense. I said, that explains why I've been met with nothing but vitriol and anger when I've tried to remind my wife of a promise that she made to herself. I remember now. Wow. So should we ever, this was my question, should we ever bring it up to you? What you promised or said that you, when you said like, hey, help me stay on track, even then, should we help you? She said, no. That's just going to make it worse for you because we're just going to look at you as the bad guy. You are the one that's bringing up how I am falling short. It's you. That's the problem. And I said, wow, thank you. I, I just, I, I thanked her. And that's when I knew I had to make some sort of change in my perspective. I just, I was looking at my wife as a rational person and it, me and my sister-in-law, we joked about it. I'm just like, holy shit, you guys are batshit fucking crazy. That's what I said. And she just busted out laughing. And she's like, yeah, sometimes we are. We, we can't be with some things. And I'm like, wow, I really need to change how I think about and how I approach women. Not approach them, like come up to them and try to talk to them. Just how I approach my communication, my thoughts and my perspectives on women. If you say something to me like, hey, I want to start my diet, help me stay on track, and then you fall off, the only thing you're looking for is silence from me, just not even bringing it up. So that does mean something different. That does mean that we aren't a team. That means that the things you say are not the things you mean. At least what you're saying is what you mean right now, but you very quickly can change that. And you won't let me know necessarily that you've changed it. You won't, as you're taking that bite, first bite of that muffin, you won't send me a text saying, hey, I'm eating muffins today or that I'm eating donuts today. When you see me shoving my fifth one in my, in my face, like just know that I'm aware that I've fallen short and don't bring it up because it'll only make me feel worse. My wife will not do that. Women will not do that. They were feeling motivated when they made that promise to not have carbs this week. Then they, then somewhere along the way, they felt not so great. And they felt like they needed some caloric indulgence to make them feel better. So they did. And then after that, they're going to feel sad 
because they feel the guilt. And then after their stomach ache goes away, they may feel motivated to get back on the wagon the next day, or they may feel under motivated because they fell off and what's the point and they have been in Jerry's before they go to bed. Because of that emotional feelings roller coaster, I can never pin down how my wife feels because it changes so frequently and it has nothing to do with what she says. So that's why I say, if I wonder what my life would be like if I didn't have this resistance that I was pushing against, because I always just feel like I'm, I'm, it's like an Easter egg hunt. And I've got seven eggs in my basket and I go to the person at the front. I'm like, I've got seven eggs. And they're like, there's eight out there. And I'm like, eight. Okay. And I go back and I look for the eighth, eighth one. I come back. Oh my gosh, I, like, I've been looking for hours. Like I can't find the last egg. You know that feeling when you're just looking for something that someone tells you it's there, check the top shelf, whatever, it's there, and you just can't find it? That's how I feel in my marriage. I just can't, ah, I just can't find it. I'm like, what do you need? Because you said that you needed this or your action said that and you've been doing this for a week and you wrote this whole thing down about this and you made this list with all the things you wanted to do and you just keep deviating. What What is it you want? What can I do? And I'm like, just tell me what to do so I can help. But what you want me to do changes. It changes with your feelings. You may not even know what you want me to do because you're too busy feeling right now. So because of that uphill battle that I've experienced over the entire course of my marriage and with most of the women that I know, I'm just like, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And some of the best relationships that men are in, men get into these relationships because the relationship goes from that uh, quote unquote platonic place with some sexual tension where everyone's treating the relationship like the doctor's office, scooching in, making space for other people, not encroaching, not being too comfortable with our words, to, wow, I like how you are in the waiting room at the doctor's office. You didn't take my armrest like that last person. You moved your bag when I came in because I needed a seat. You are accommodating. You're considerate. But then all of a sudden, you come in, their bag's thrown on the seat, in fact, they brought in something else from the trunk. They've got their Amazon package on one seat on their left. They've got their bag on the right seat. All the rest of the seats are taken and they're looking at you and they're just like, you know, just, hey, you, just slide my bag over, sit next to it. Uh, or, hey, don't touch my bag. And you're like, what the, what happened to, what happened to decorum? What happened to gentleness? What happened to respect? What happened to the doctor's office waiting room strategy for relationships? Cinch in a little. But no, we're past that. My wife does what she wants when she feels like it. And that's a really tough thing to fight with. I don't want to deal with it anymore. I really don't want to be married. I just want to get back to that place where we are in the doctor's waiting room. When you're just the pretty girl over there. I'm the guy. We've got some banter back and forth. There's some sexual tension. And we kind of want to see where this goes. And that's it. Once you know where it's going, 
try your best to keep it there. Don't say, oh, this is going in a good place. We like each other. Now let's get married. Nope. This is going in a good place. We like each other. One person will inevitably want more, most likely the woman. Well, are we going to take it to the next level? Only because there's a level to take it to. We're actually okay. Seeing each other most days, talking on the phone, sometimes meeting up for dinner. You're the number one person I call. I'm the number one person you call. We're in a good spot. But now we want to move it to the next level. Let's live together. You know, it's convenient. It's cheaper. Save more money. Both have upsides. He'll be able to get out of his student loan debt. She'll be able to get out of her credit card debt. Or vice versa. So win-win. Everything looks like win-win. We'll share the waiting room. We're two doctors that had our own practices and now we'll go into business together. But then that waiting room. She's a podiatrist and you're a dentist. I don't think those people can come to the same waiting room. Is she a kid dentist? Wow. You got adults coming in with gout or whatever. It's tough. The waiting rooms need to expand. How about we build out, make it bigger? Really difficult, really tough. So I don't know. I do not know. Anyway, I definitely still want a divorce because we are out of that doctor's office waiting room side of our relationship. My wife is just really comfortable and she's just really not a nice person to me and she's really not respectful. And that in turn makes me react in certain ways at times. I want a divorce. Wow, that was the Divorce Diaries podcast. The Daily Saga will continue tomorrow. The full season's episodes are on Patreon now. Subscribe for early access. Click the Patreon link in the description. Hopefully these entries help our anonymous recorder as a form of his own personal therapy. That's his hope and his intention. Will these recordings of life's curveballs lead this family to the best resolution in the end? We'll keep listening. New episodes are released daily on all podcast players, but all episodes are available on Patreon at Divorce Diaries Podcast Patreon page. Until next time.